Today is Mom's Day, Mother's Day. Early in our lives, we make cards and crafts to tell our mom what she means to us. I'm not sure you can read some of these notes, but I had to take some time because there, there's some kids that really love their moms. Dear Mom, Happy Mother's Day. You're sweet as sugar, nice as a rose. You're helpful and kind. I will always love you, but sometimes I think I don't. Okay. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you have a great Mother's Day today. We were going to make you pancakes, but Melly didn't know how to. So we were going to make you eggs, but we're, there was no bacon. Happy Mother's Day anyway. That's intentions, right? Dear Mom, thank you for doing everything for me, but why don't you let me have desserts? Mom, you know, the acrostic, that, that's always classic. Um, most of these I get, uh, Mom, outstanding, totally awesome, hot and beautiful. Whoa, yeah. Extra crazy and fun. And this last one, rampagingly strong. I don't know where that word came from. He must be a pastor. Um, dear Mom, you are the best mom I could ever have. I want you to bring me McDonald's. <laughs> and this is the best one. This is the best one. I do not know who wrote this, but he gets my vote, or she. Thank you, Mom, for being wonderful, caring, and not making your meatloaf anymore. Yeah. Most of us don't realize the sacrifice our moms made until later in life. We realize the sacrifice, the love, and the prayer. So celebrating your mom now looks a little different than it did when you were back in third grade. Before we go Further, though, although this is a grand day of celebration, you might be in a different spot for a whole plethora of reasons. Wherever you're at in the whole mom spectrum, wishing, hoping, dreading, I hope your hearts are encouraged today. So stick with us. As we focus not only on moms, but on God. We don't honor mom today because it's Mother's Day. We don't. We honor her because of her love and her sacrifice and her example. Of the many times that, wow, we didn't even know she did things on our behalf. Let's watch this clip. Thank you. 
Let's pray. Father, we do come before you today. We are so grateful for the families you've given us. But God, there are times that as we look around at the families you've given us, we have questions. Some moms have been so nurturing and some moms have been so caring and some moms have been helping us see Jesus all of our lives. Other moms at times were ashamed of. They didn't care very much. There are other moms in our life that we saw and we appreciated. But God, you are a good God, and you are a loving God, and and you came to redeem. There isn't a perfect mom here. There isn't a perfect mom in this whole planet. But just like moms, dads, and everyone else in this building need you every single day. And we're going to focus today, Father, in in your word, and and I think we're going to leave excited because you love us. And you empower us. We thank you. Open our eyes now, Father. In all the churches in our area, and all the churches all over, we pray, dear God, that you would do a mighty work. Lord, we even had news of a church in China just recently coming under extreme persecution. We pray even today for them. Because although we have it pretty nice, Lord, we know that there are people all around this world who worship and love you. And it's hard. So we pray for their strength and we pray for your work in our lives. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. You know, moms deserve honor, especially those moms that have helped us love Jesus. But even more than moms, Jesus deserves the greatest of honor. The Apostle John hung with Jesus for about three years. He saw Jesus restore broken relationships with the religious, with the outcasts, with the disabled, those who are groping and those who are struggling with life and the meaning of life. John saw Jesus give life. In fact, John was one who was totally transformed because of Jesus. In fact, what's been so nice over these last few days is just watching the green emerge. It's happened again. We don't like the temperature at times and we don't like the rain at times, but it seemed almost overnight the leaves came on the trees. The grass turned from brown to green. And the, well, certain plants started to push up out of the earth again. And as I was driving to church today, fields were all green. It was kind of exciting. But it had me remember or think about John. His life before Jesus was rather brown and dehydrated and lacked a whole lot of green. He met this man. 
and it changed him from the inside out. He offered him bread that could satisfy his hunger, and he offered him drink that would quench his thirst. He offered to be his light so that, well, he would be able to guide his path. And to be honest, John hadn't seen or hung out with anyone like Jesus. He experienced firsthand Christ's transforming presence and was passionate to proclaim, well, the good news of the gospel. The good news that changed his life literally. So John wrote Christ's story. And when he did, he had an agenda. It's found in John chapter 20, verse 31. So that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one that came to rescue. The Son of God. And that by believing in Him, you will have life by the power of His name. Wow. The Gospel of John continues to captivate me and inspire me. And if you've been around, it's week 29 of our series. Today we're going to look at a passage which describes Christ's retirement party. Well, not really. But I got your attention right now. You mean you're retired? I didn't know that. Whoa, this is cool. It's in John chapter 12. Jesus didn't retire. But at most retirement parties, don't you take a person and, and perhaps they've worked there for 25 years or 45 years or five weeks. I, I don't know. Whenever you retire and they honor you and they throw this big bash and people say all kinds of nice things about you and how wonderful you were. The problem is most of us probably need retirement parties every day, don't we? We know that life is hard, and it's a struggle. And we know that there are times that, that seem so heavy on our hearts. Well, Jesus was just about to be crucified. Our text today literally talks about a party for Jesus. Six days before he dies. I'd like you to turn your Bibles to John chapter 12. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. So either flip through your flat screens or open those Bibles. And I'm going to have Savannah read for us. If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen in front. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he had cared for the poor. He was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they flocked to see him and also to see Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. 
Then the leading priest decided to kill Lazarus too, for it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Jesus arrives in Bethany. Most of you know that Bethany was this little town right outside of Jerusalem. It was six days before he would be tortured and die a criminal's death on the cross. But there was a dinner prepared, a dinner to honor him. In other texts and other synoptic gospels, uh, John doesn't mention where this was, but it probably was in Simon the leper's house, a man who was healed by Jesus. And so it probably was a bigger house. It probably was a place where he could uh, perhaps have more people come and interact with Jesus. You see, it's so appropriate to grace those around you. Those especially who have helped you. Those who have encouraged you on your journey. That's why we, well, grace our moms. But the truth is, there are some who have graced you to help you in your spiritual journey. Maybe it's still your mom there. But you've had people surround you to be able to open up God's Word, and to be able to encourage you to listen, and to be able to be obedient. Those people deserve to be honored. I talk, uh, or I use the term gracing others. And I think that that is probably something that each one of us need to get better. Something we ought to probably do more often, especially when someone is alive. You've all been to funerals, and you've all heard amazingly nice things said about those in the casket. In fact, sometimes you wonder, like, are they talking about Jim? Like, I know Jim, and <laughs> whoa, he's real. I, yeah, I didn't know he was so special. He was so terrific. And maybe there are some truths in that, in that speech. But realistically, we probably should focus and encourage others a little bit more when they're out of the casket, really. I think it's always good to honor the heroes in your life. I had a chance this last week to honor Robbie. Now, it's Robbie up there. In fact, that was a few years ago. We were both a little bit younger. But Robbie just celebrated his 70th birthday. And Robbie's wife wrote all of his friends, or many of them, and said, Hey, would you send a letter to Robbie? He's, well, getting a little bit older and we would love to be able to grace him with some words. You know, I thought I would do is read to you what I wrote, Robbie. And I think you'll hear my heart, but more than that, how grateful I am for the Robbies in my life who helped me love Jesus better. This is what I said. Rob, Roberto. I can't believe you're going to hit 70 mark, nor can I fathom that we've been buds for almost 40 years. I thank God for his grace to me for providing such a comrade and a friend. I feel you are like my 2005 F-150, rusting out in a few places but going strong. He worked for Ford. Okay, I'm usually not that creative, but yeah, okay, okay, there we are. Um, 
but we've had some amazing memories, laughs, tears, and theological discussions. Even though I can't even pronounce the words you used to use, much less understand them. I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 5 when I think of you. You are a fragile clay jar whose humble spirit has faithfully pointed people to Jesus and helped them grow on their journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. The focus has been on God, not on you. You are a hero, a person who loves our Lord, His church, and your family more in the later stages of your life than you did in your younger, robust years. You have been pressing on every, you have been pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed. You have been perplexed, but not driven to despair. You have been knocked down, but not destroyed. You continue to share in the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus can be seen in your body to everyone around you. You don't give up because the world is not your home. You are God's ambassador and have done well with your God-given mission of reconciling people to himself. Robbie, I am a better disciple, husband, father, pastor and friend because of your influence in my life. I have cherished your prayers and your wisdom. You understand both God's grace and holiness. You have faithfully invested your time, your treasures, and your talents. You are an elder's elder. I do miss you, my friend. It's been pretty amazing that in spite of the miles between us, you always bring a smile to my face. May God give you the strength and the faith of Caleb all the days of your life. Keep taking the mountain and making a difference. I love you, dude. His wife wrote back very quickly after she received the card. Ah, you made us cry. Robbie wants to frame those words, put it up in his office so that he can see him every day. When he said that, I wasn't so impressed with my words, but what I remembered is that we need our tires pumped every day. That's what we need. We need to be reminded about this journey. We need to be, well, thankful, especially for the folks in our life. This was Jesus. No doubt the conversation focused on Christ's miraculous work of raising Lazarus to the de- uh, from, the, from the dead to life. There's no doubt about that at this party. But i got to believe that there are a lot more stories. After all, if, if a surgeon saves your life with some unbelievable procedure... You not only want to thank the surgeon, you'd like to take him out to dinner, you'd like to give him a hug. You are just so grateful that he had the ability and the skills. He went to school and did all the things he's supposed to do so that you might be able to walk around for a few more years. Well, that's what Jesus was. Jesus had just spent three years talking, encouraging, strengthening, giving hope. And these people had gathered. And I am sure, I am sure the stories started going around. I would imagine that everyone in that room 
had a Jesus story. He, do you remember when Jesus said this to me? And do you remember when he touched me over here? And do you remember? And there was story after story after story. I think maybe it was a praise fest. So grateful for Jesus. We don't know a lot of people who were there, but we do know, according to this text, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were there. We know that Jesus made it a practice to go to parties and feasts and celebrations, to weddings, to funerals. But I got to believe that day was a little different. Six days before he was going to the cross, Jesus had talked faithfully to all of his disciples and to his followers saying, hey, you know what, there's going to be a, uh, there's going to come a time when I'm going to be beat and bloodied. I'm going to be mangled. I'm going to be put up on a cross. I'm going to die because I love you. And then on the third day, I'm going to rise from the grave victorious. So that you might have life. Not sure though everyone understood how close the end was. Except for Mary. We see that especially, you know, as, as we look at this text. But in John chapter 12 verse 7. And actually, I'm going to read it out of the NIV. Most of the time I use uh, New Living Translation. But the NIV in this verse, I think, clarifies what Jesus really was saying a little bit better. And this is, this is what he said. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. I just think, again, that Mary was so close to Jesus. She listened differently. She understood that this was, well, coming to an end. And she had this jar, this perfume. And she was going to use it as burial. But you know what? She got a little impetuous. She got a little bit crazy. She lived on the edge. And she basically decided... To pour it on Jesus early. You see, today Mary sticks out in our text. So that's who I'm going to focus on, is Mary. So again, in your Bibles, we're going to look almost the rest of the time in chapter 12, verse 3. I'm going to read it again to you. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. You know, I've made some observations about Mary. Observations about a person who truly honored Jesus. I think it will encourage your heart today. But the first thing that Mary did, Mary honored Jesus extravagantly. With great extravagance. Everybody there knew the perfume's value. 
And we can look at this and read through this and say, okay, so the perfume was worth a year's salary. We can, well, predict a little bit of what a year's salary was back then. But let's just, you guys all know what you make. Just put it in context. If you make $10 a year, it costs $10. Fill in the blank. As soon as I read this, I asked the question, does anybody really do this? Well, does anybody ever do this? Well, Rick, I am sure that Mary must have been all oh, extremely wealthy. And this was just a tip. She had so much more in the bank. She had, I don't know. I don't know if she lived day to day. I don't know if she was really, really wealthy. I don't. But I asked the question, when have I been extravagant or even sacrificial in honoring Jesus even once? You know, we do it for our kids. We sacrifice for our work. We certainly sacrifice for us, most of us. You know, it reminded me a little bit again, and, and you know, this is the, the baseball and the softball season. But some of our parents have four kids. Some of them have seven kids. Some of them, you just got kids. Some of them are close together. And if they're in any kind of sports, do you realize that you could be watching baseball or softball from 8 in the morning on a Saturday to about 8 at night? You could. And you could be traveling all over. You could be cutting, you know, you're just taking a sandwich here and there and the sacrifice is unbelievable. Now to be quite honest, most of us look at that and say, well, that's kind of normal for our culture. It's not a big deal. But if someone were to ask you to serve, Say, you know, by the way, this Saturday it's going to last from 8 o'clock to about 8 o'clock. We're not going to eat very well. we got a lot of work to be able to accomplish. Would you be able to come on out and help? Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, I have a busy life. This is really serious for me to... And you can plug it in. Well, what about, you know, we have a need for Awana leaders. Well, not at the moment, so I can say this. But you, you mean I have to sacrifice every Wednesday night? Every Wednesday night? Hey, that's some pretty good TV shows on. And I work all day long. And why would I even hang out with kids? They drive me crazy. I'm done with kids. I'm an empty nester. Leave me alone. Now, I'm not saying every Wednesday is your call. But what I'm saying is, is that as we look at life, we sacrifice for things that are really important to us. I'm not saying that serving our God is not important to you. I'm not. Because I don't know your situation or your circumstances or any of those things, really. Really. 
But what I am saying is, if something's important, you are going to find a way to do it. And Mary loved Jesus. Mary's life was transformed by Jesus. She was always the one, in spite of all the culture or traditions, she would be sitting at Jesus' feet because she couldn't get enough of Jesus' stories and Jesus' words. That was this Mary. I think if we understand God's mercy and God's grace, like Mary did, it overwhelms us. We cannot honor God enough. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes this. He, he just spends 11 chapters in Romans kind of giving the, the basics of our faith. Unbelievable letter. And then at chapter 12, it goes practical. All right. So many of us like to skip the first 11 and just go to chapter 12. Well, chapter 12, verse 1, this is Paul writing. And he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all He has done for you. Not because you're going to give brownie points. Not because you got a hot spot in heaven. Not because everyone will applaud you. Because you just flat out see all that God did for you and you are overwhelmed by His grace and His mercy and His love for you and His sacrifice for you. That's why as you get older, in a little ways, some of you had some amazing moms. And it's not so hard to take care of your mom or to grace your mom or to serve your mom. Because you know what that mom did. Well, Jesus is more faithful and more reliable and more loving than the best mom in all the world. And Paul says, hey, if you realize all that he's done for you, then let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This truly is the way to worship or this truly is a way to honor him. The way to honor Him is to give your bodies as a sacrifice. You see, for Mary, using the perfume was costly. We know that. Both financially and actually her reputation. Let me just remind you again a little bit of the first century culture. But she left the normal role of serving the meal. And again, I'm not trying to put women in a certain category and say, this is what you need to do. I'm just describing what happened during the first century. And during the first century, women were just a peg, maybe a hair above slave. All right. And that's how it was. So when Jesus actually talked to women and, and encouraged women and loved women, it was, he was like blowing everybody away. Because they were not to be honored. But Jesus did. Anyway, she left the normal role of serving the meal. She forgot completely about that. She continued to let Martha do that. 
And she went to Jesus. Touching feet is degrading. At that time, a woman would never let her hair down in public. Most women at that time had very long hair. And would either be put up or it would be hidden. Okay? The only people that would see their hair would be the husband. So to unwrap her hair in public, well, she would be the scrutiny. She would be the talk. And then to use her hair to wipe his feet. Also, at least in the first century, this would usually be used as a dowry. And, and I know this sounds really crude, but usually what would happen is that women would begin to gather funds and the gals with the most funds seemed to be the gals that got married first, if you know what I mean. All right? So she had been saving. And this, again, she didn't care. This was the most important thing she could do, even though socially her not being married was a giant stigma in that culture. Whoa. She sacrificed. Now I need to just again ask this question. How do we honor God extravagantly now? How do we do it? Well, I think what happens is, first of all, it starts with a relationship. If I'm talking, and honestly, and you're just hearing this story even for the first time, and you're saying that some lady just spent a year's wages on Jesus, what a waste! Actually, probably most of us would mimic Judas here, don't, don't you think? If any one of your kids came up to you and says, hey, wait a minute, I don't care how honorable it is, I would love, to be, I'm going to work a year, I'm going to save every bit of that money, and I'm going to give it away. You'd probably put your arm around your daughter and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's not do that. Your son, hey, that, that seems a little bit foolish. He or she may tell you what they want to be extravagant for. And it may change your mind. But again, if you love somebody, you can never spend enough on them. If you love someone, you can never spend enough time with them. That's what you want to do, and that's where Mary was. But in a practical way, how do we honor God? Most of the time we do that on a Sunday it doesn't mean it's the only time, believe me. But what I thought I would do is just take a moment to share with you how you might prepare yourself to honor God best every Sunday when you come. First of all, there are some folks, and I'm sure none sitting in our seats, that think, man, what am I going to get out of church today? Hope he has a funny story. I hope the songs are really cool. Hope that this, and we kind of come hoping... Well, just to get, you know, that kind of a thing. If we really understand what Sundays is about, it's a celebration of who God is. It honestly doesn't matter what kind of songs are being sung. It, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. And what, what really matters is that we have an opportunity to be able to adore or honor God. That's our hope. And so I encourage people on Sunday mornings, before they come, 
is to prepare themselves for worship, for honor. If this was your wedding day, oh my word, you would prepare. If this was, and you can put this in, we all, well, honor different people. And I'm just saying, at least in our culture, we honor God together here on a Sunday morning. I would say start with a list of blessings. Because it's really easy to complain, isn't it? And just say, I'm a, I, I just want to thank you, God. Thank you. I, I'd encourage you to go over God's attributes, who God is. We have a class even now. If you don't know what God's attributes are, come on out at 845 on a Sunday morning. Head on downstairs and you'll meet uh, Gary and they have a discussion on what God's attributes are. I'd also encourage you to reflect how God has changed your life. I think one of the greatest things that Mary, why she was so extravagant, is that she just knew her life was so very, very different after Jesus than it was before. It's so easy to be extravagant. When you have a relationship, you understand all your blessings. You realize how good your good father is and how God has literally changed your life. You've gone from dead to alive. And then you enter his sanctuary ready to worship. Extravagance happens. Sometimes the hands go up. Sometimes the tears are falling. And you're just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As somebody prays, you're praying along with them. As the word is given out, you are encouraged. If there's some conviction, if there's some encouragement, you are just thanking God. Next thing I noticed is that Mary was a servant. She anointed the feet. Touching the feet was reserved for the servant who drew the last straw. I'm just letting you know. Now some of you really like feet. If it's a baby about one year old. Oh, are they cute. Oh, are they stubby. Oh, you can play with them all day long. But I'm telling you, by the time they graduate college... They are humongous and calloused and gross and smelly. And whoa, have you ever seen someone's feet who's a little older? Oh boy, you do anything to touch those babies, you know, not really. But this is it, servants. And again, yes, sandals, yes, people again were assigned to make sure people's feet were clean. You know, in the parallel accounts and the other synoptics in Matthew 26 and in Mark 14, the same incident is being shared. And it says that Mary anointed Jesus' head, anointed his body. But somehow John just focuses on the feet and we're just going to stay right here on the feet. But what I've noticed is this. Serving others is always inconvenient. It always requires action. It always means you get out of your chair. It always means you put a towel around you. It always means that you get down on your knees. It always means somebody else is more important than you. That's what serving is all about. And Mary was there. You can't serve without getting out of your chair. You know, some of you know, in the very beginning of January each year, I go up to a place called Nicolay Bible Institute, NBI. 
And one of the reasons I go up there is I have an opportunity to teach. And it's the, the class is one week long. And it's a class that just says how to connect with God better. And so there are 16 to 32 students, depending on the year. And they're up there. And I'll tell you one of the most amazing things about Nicolay Bible Institute is not the cost. Because that's pretty reasonable. It's the one place I know that teaches you to be a servant. There's a lot of places around here that will give you Bible. There's a lot of places that will give you experience. But I don't know of any place that teaches young people to be servants like a camp. It's 24-7. You're always doing something that you don't feel like doing. And that, along with understanding the privileges and the honor that you have, where kids' lives are transformed every single day. As parents, we encourage our kids to serve. I enjoy Nicolay because of that. Lastly, Mary's actions were fragrant. The perfume filled the room. I loved it. Isn't it amazing how fragrance sets the mood? In this case, everyone was blessed. But you all know there are oftentimes fragrances in a room that are not very appealing. And I'm not saying where they come from. All right? But I am going to say this. It disgusts you. You walk out of the room. There's not ever one that when a foul order kind of kind of goes to your nose. Say, oh, isn't this delightful? Let's stay and enjoy the day. Oh, my word. But what's really cool is that this perfume filled the room. Everybody benefited. You know, Paul calls our lives a Jesus fragrance. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, this is what Paul writes. Now, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere. Like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. You know, i got to ask a question. Mary's extravagance, it was so appreciated. The swell, I mean, the smell was so amazing. We, each one of us, have an opportunity wherever we go to, well, have a scent. And if we're walking with God, if we're serving others, if we're allowing God to transform us from the inside out, You walk into a room and people smell Jesus. They smell someone caring, someone loving, someone using kind words, someone encouraging and pumping other people's tires. There are others that walk in a room though. They don't represent Jesus so much. There's a stench. In fact, as a pastor, I I may go down in your book here, but sometimes, as a pastor, as a shepherd, 
There are some people that I've met that after chatting with them and after listening to with them and after spending some time with them, my prayer is when I leave, Oh Lord, I hope nobody ever finds out that they know you. Rick, that's awfully judgmental. Oh, you know what? I probably have been in that boat myself. When I've responded poorly, yet people knew I, I love Jesus. Or my words weren't so kind, or my words weren't so gracious. And I wonder, I wonder if we had a scale if more people are drawn to Jesus because of our lives or drawn away from Jesus. You see, Mary honored Jesus well because of her relationship. She was transformed. She was unbelievably crazy in love with Jesus. Her time, it didn't matter. Her finances, it didn't matter. Her talents, she just wanted to honor Jesus. Whoa. In fact, today, honoring Jesus, I think is somewhat like a litmus paper. You all know what litmus paper is. It tests acid or alkaline properties of a liquid. And if you stick it in and it turns a certain color, you know it's either acidic or it, or it has alkaline properties in it, Right? Well, I think the way we honor God is a litmus paper. If we honor God, well, a lot. My guess is you have a rich relationship with God. But if we honor ourselves more, we make ourselves more of a priority, my guess is is that my relationship with Jesus isn't so important. You know, as I wrap this up today, one of the things I just want to remind you of, in verse 9, John records that the crowds flocked to see Jesus and Lazarus, and many believed. You know, it's really cool. They had this party. It was on the outskirts of Jerusalem. The news got out that Jesus and Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead, was at this household. And so the crowds came. My guess is that Jesus began to share again his words of life. Lazarus began to point people to Jesus. The perfume had filled the room and said, hey, there was a crazy lady in there that that used a year's worth of perfume. To anoint the Savior. The stories went out. People's lives are transformed. And what's so cool is many believed. Keep going back to that in John. Not everyone believed. Not everyone was convinced. Not everyone thought that Jesus was the Messiah, the Savior. And by His name you could have life. But there were some. A changed life is so attractive. You can have one today. You can. It comes by faith and putting your trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. But if you have a changed life, if you do, what I want to say is this. It's okay to be extravagant. 
don't worry, I'm not in any kind of building campaign right now and you've got to give more. Actually, we're not in any kind of recruiting for ministry at this moment other than VBS, which we'll talk about later. But the truth is, we want you to be able to fall in love with Jesus first. And all the rest of this stuff happens because you realize it's not yours anyway. It's the king's. You're just managing your time and your talent and your treasures. And you can be extravagant with this. You can honor God. And when you walk in a room, if you have a great relationship, people are pointed to Jesus. Wow. Today we honor mom. But every day we can honor Jesus well. He alone is worthy. And it's okay to be extravagant. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace in our life. We thank you for the way that you love us. We thank you, Father, more than anything. That you sacrificed your life for us so that we might have life. Lord, would we be overwhelmed by your grace? Would we focus more on you and less on us? Would you change us from the inside out? And Lord, if you've asked us to be extravagant, I pray we respond. We love you, Lord. We do. We're so sorry at times for our selfishness. We're so sorry, Father, for the times we focus inward rather than outward. In Jesus' name, amen.